Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for August 3rd of 2014. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week, big news. On the P.K. Subban front, we went through a potential arbitration hearing. Well, they did go through the hearing, but uh, the results of that hearing were never revealed because Montreal and uh, Mr. Subban came to a agreement on an eight-year, $72 million deal. Um, another deal happened today that kind of went under the radar. Ben Bishop getting an extension two years for $11.9 million. And earlier in the week, um, kind of a semi-polarizing uh, contract for Nick Spalling for two years, $4.4 million. Um, those, those are kind of uh, three signings we'll be covering this week. So, P.K. Subban. It's, it's funny, you know, it's only been, you know, days since our last podcast it feels like in that time a lot's happened but in reality there's the Subban thing is the biggest news isn't it I mean that's the the big one it was the one that most people couldn't work out why this was going to go to arbitration why couldn't the Canadians just come to terms and you get there and go you know eight by nine it's a pretty good deal for the Canadians really yeah outside of Tabes and Kane thing that that resigning, I think this is one of the biggest stories of the summer. Yeah. Um, eight years, $72 million. I think the Canadians have done an excellent job with the signing. Not the process. Yeah. <laughs> Not the process, but the signing itself, the end result, terrific. Um, I think he's underpaid. I know some people are going to be like, $9 million cap hit? How, how the hell is he underpaid? Um, I I think you could make the argument that $10 million would be, you know, about right for him based on the new CBA, which does not allow you to hide the cap hits. I think that's where everyone's struggling a little bit. Because last couple of contracts that got signed in the previous CBA where you hide the cap hits. Players' numbers, cap numbers are a lot lower. You know, you'll go over some stuff maybe with uh, Weber and, and Suter and stuff like that. You look at their cap hits and you go, we're going to be making you know, 1.5 mil more on the cap guys. But their contracts are structured in a way where, in reality, if it was done under this CBA, their, um, their cap hits would be much higher. So I think we're still coming to terms with that change of the hockey landscape in regards to you can't hide a cap it anymore. You know, the Kane and Taves one's proven that. This one proves it again. So it would be interesting to see what more of that top 5% of the league starts having to come through for the big contract. And we'll... Yeah, and um, basically to get into the specifics of those numbers, Shea Weber has a $7.8 million cap hit, but the first eight years of his contract... He's going to make $92 million. That's $20 more million than Subban is going to see in the entire eight years of his deal. Ryan Suter is going to make $80 million in his first eight years of his contract, which is $8 million more, and he has a $7.5 million cap hit. Subban has a $9 million cap hit, but he's making less actual money. 
uh, and that has to do with the back diving option that used to be available. It's not anymore. So some people are going to see that $9 million and get all upset, but that's the cost of doing business now. And quite frankly, you know, pay your stars. Could the Canadians replace P.K. Subban and what he gives them? The answer is no. Perhaps the Canadians should, you know, be more worried about overpaying middle-tier guys like Rene Bork, Brandon Proust, and, and Emelin on defense, who's making like $4 million. That's where you got to cut your costs in the modern CBA. Don't overpay average. Never over overpay average. Whoa. Don't fall in love with average. Pay your stars and find values. Elsewhere. With with Sue Ben, would you be happy with Max Demount contract wise? Would you if they said we want the max, that's it, or we walk, would you have given him the thirteen and a half mil a year? The what per year? Thirteen and a half mil. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the, I think the max you is got, what thirteen point eight mil. Um I think so do you reckon you would have done that? Because he's no, he's irreplaceable to that team. No, but here's the catch with Subban in his situation right now. I believe he's still in RFA. So if yeah. somebody offered that, that's four first round picks. So I would I would take the four first rounders for that. Um, Thirteen point eight is close to three million more than anybody's making right now. Oh, I know. Um. So I don't know how realistic. I don't think anybody would probably give him that. But yep, you know, for nine mil, that's a steal, man. In the modern yeah, landscape, yeah, it is. You look at it comparatively. It's one of those things where I think the two most important players for that team is the goalie and Subban. So you, you get paid to keep him, like you said. Keep your stars, pay for them, make sure you get. <clears throat> Uh, as much out of every other as you can for the value of what your hockey club needs on the ice for what you're missing. And those examples you gave before are really good ones of guys probably getting paid a little bit more than they should, so you've got less money to then spend it on other holes that your hockey club's going to have. So that's where the good general managers are going to are going to thrive under this CBA is is that middle tier to lower tier of player not overpaying um, and, and getting <clears throat> every dollar out of the contract. I mean, there's been plenty of pretty solid examples this offseason of players that have done the show-me contract for the one year. Um, and and there's issue, value there, to be had. Be like there's a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of those this year. And you, you seem to think it's because the, the cap's going to be up next year and they're all going to be able to cash in on good years. Yeah, but I always think there will be... Um, value to be had in those players that are in that gray area and there will always be some of those gray area players where the um, underlying numbers look pretty attractive where maybe some teams aren't valuing it properly and I think that's where you need to attack yep but to fall in love with average players and overpay them I that's where you'll make your biggest mistakes um yeah, it might sting you in the short term just a little bit to lose an average player, but to lock them up at, at an above-average cost is going to hurt you way more than to, to keep them around. 
that's the anchor around the neck rather than the big long-term contract for a Subban or a Crosby and stuff like that. They're the ones that you anchor around and you build around them. You don't get there and lob, you know, $5 million on a guy. Yeah, you really need to keep him, but he is replaceable sort of thing. You know, Subban's not replaceable. Even if you get those first-round draft pitching before, the club's going backwards before it goes forwards. That's the reality of that situation. So losing a guy like Subban would have been really hard for that Canadians team to move forward from that. Yeah, and, and we're talking about like a Dave Boland or a Brooks Orpik kind of contract. Like, why? <laughs> it's basically it. oh, that. That Orpik contract baffles me. You see people talk about it and that, and some people are trying to justify why. It's the length, the whole thing, the length, the, the cost per year. It's just a baffling contract. It'll be. I hope he plays well because I like him as a player, but I can't see it happening. It, it looked like the game had got past him. He hasn't been able to get fit and healthy. So hopefully all of those things are wrong and he ends up making the contract. But I think he's laughing all the way on that contract. Yeah. So Montreal has a corner piece to um, stick around for a long time. Um the process, though, geez. the the fact yeah. that the fact they had an arbitration hearing. I mean, what the hell? This deal couldn't have been done a month ago. It, it's the thing. It sort of looks like the numbers, the number that both sides wanted. Yeah, you know, I don't think Subban was asking for more than this, was he? Realistically, less in the arbitration hearing. I believe he asked for. Yeah. 8.5 maybe? Is that right. what he asked for? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was 8.5. Knowing it's that it would be a one-year deal bringing him to unrestricted free agency, but um, here's the deal with Subban. What they should have done out of the get-go was not offer him that $2.75 million per year two-year bridge deal. They should have given him the Eric Carlson $6.5 million long-term contract he may have accepted that um and now they're at nine million overall they did get two cheap years out of them but if we're being completely honest canadians weren't really in a spot to like make a now don't get me wrong they they made the conference finals and they had a good run this year i don't think that was expected though no look the hard thing with the bridge deal they gave him though is that there was always a knock on Subban for not putting in enough or not doing enough and they wanted to do that bridge deal just to make sure that he can prove that he does care and he wants to commit and all those sorts of things and I just sort of sit there with it and go I don't know whether if I was the Canadians I would have committed to a long term deal with him and so I'm okay with that particular two year bridge deal but you get to now you've got to pay you can't you can't not pay it's the reality like you said you either go to lock him up earlier um and they didn't they chose to go for a bridge deal which is perfectly fine but you get to now and because he's uh, outstripped that bridge deal by a mile you're gonna to have to pay more it's like you were saying if you get them for a little cheaper but if you pay later then you're gonna pay more it's, it's just the reality of how it works and that's the thing. They chose to do the bridge deal. 
which is basically show me your worth. And all he did was win a Norris and knock out the Bruins in a playoff series. And and then it's like, all right, I've showed you. Yeah. And then they yeah. drag their feet and, and actually get to an arbitration hearing. And to me, that that's unacceptable. You did the show me contract for him. He showed you more than enough. Pay the man. Don't get to arbitration. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. He's a Canadian for the next eight years but the optics of it it, it's kind of like how the penguins gm and coaching search went the actual process to get to the end result was an absolute circus the treasures yeah (laughs) but the end results you know they may turn out well in suban's case it will turn out fine in the penguins case you know it may turn out fine but it was unnecessary to have the bad optics during that process. Look, I, I'm glad that he's. I'm glad that he's in Montreal. He's a good player to watch. He's in a market that a player like him, in regards to his brashness and stuff, works really well. You know, keeps him in the news. It's good. Him being in the open market after a year would have been fascinating, though. I, I would have uh, loved to seen if <laughs> Toronto, not if. When Toronto yeah. made a strong run at him, but um, I think the dark horse in that would have been um, the Dallas Stars, who have embraced uh, the analytics movement with their GM, and I think that would be it. And they have the cap space. I think it would have been fascinating to see them go after another high-quality player. So, but it's not to be. No, it'll be interesting to see that that when that first big player comes out of contract into the UFA market and hasn't already, you know what I mean? Where there's actually that free agent frenzy for one particular player, like Stephen away, and there's you know those those tendrils of oh, we might go back to Toronto and would they pay all sorts of things. So it'll be interesting to see when someone of that ilk, which I consider Subban to be in that that sort of bracket. Um, does become a UFA and people have to start putting out their bids and just to see how much of the cap that particular contract takes per year and how long they, they sign them for and where that person ends up. It'll be it'll be interesting. I think that's how you have to judge the contracts, though, as we move forward. How much of a percentage of the cap are they taking as opposed yeah. to what their actual cap hit is? And that's going to change drastically because... This year's $69 million uh, cap ceiling is a little lower than they thought, but next year it's projected to be near $75 million. So, I mean, it's going to keep growing. And, um, you know, um, a lot of people were a little bit up in arms at the time about Latang's $7.25 million contract. And, you know... I w- he had a rough year this past year, obviously, but um, I think as time, yeah. goes, as time goes on, I mean, that's that's not going to hurt them at all. No, that's the thing. Like, Subban's contract in five years' time, if the cap keeps going up, percentage-wise, it just keeps going down. So the cap hit itself doesn't end up being particularly bad. That's the challenge with all of these things. It's 
it, it's you sign them now and it's it's worth X. you get four years down the contract it's worth a smaller percentage so yeah it's it's interesting how it works yeah and I mean as we've said already it, it's not paying the stars that's gonna hurt it's it's overpaying yeah, it's average. the guys on the other yeah it's the guys that average and below that are the challenges and basically it's if you if you're talking the people that were concerned with the Latang contract it's it's not going to be him that's going to be the problem it's going to be overpaying guys like Scuderi perhaps yet to be seen Nick Spalling um, <laughs> I mean guys like that that you can find replacements for much cheaper but you've decided to uh, and, and potentially Brandon Sutter that, that he's, yeah, he's that... probably going to be making 3.5 plus and I just don't see it but would you rather I don't know spend a 9 or 10 million on Scuderi Sutter and Spalling like um Adam Gretz had had the tweet on this. It, that's going to kill you, not Chris Letang. Chris Letang is a special talent. You pay the premium for that. Those other guys are just middle of the road. You can always find other guys that can do what they do and not. Yeah, it's it's the thing with Letang. I think a lot of people are almost treating this upcoming season as a for their impression of who he is as a player, uh, whether he's, this year's going to be a make or break for him, whether he's going to be any good, not so much for his talent, but whether or not, one, he can hold together. Two, he's now under a new coach that isn't going to stress stretch passes. So he should, those turnovers that kill him all the time should be a lot less. So you know what I mean? There's things where you go, I think it, he's it could be a make or break a, for Latek. I think he's going to have a very good year. And then that's the break, that's make, not the break for him. So he's good. You know what I mean? But I think a lot of people are using this this year as a, is he all that cranked up to be and is he worth his $7.5 million contract or is he just going to be an overpaid underachiever? No, I think I think with the um, change in system, it's going to benefit him greatly. Um, and I know we've talked about this in the past, but to – when your only option's a long stretch pass to a flat-footed guy and you're trying to um, skate yourself into that passing lane, mistakes will be made. Um, from, from everything I've read and seen from Mike Johnston, the new Penguins coach, it's a lot more 10-foot passes, a lot more coming out in unison. And between Latang's skating ability and the options that'll be close by. I, I, his biggest mistakes have been puck management. It's not defending. It's not generating even strength offense. It's puck management coming out of his own end. And with options so close by uh, for next year, I, I, I think, I believe that those mistakes will be um, limited if his theories play out um, on the ice, that's Mike Johnston's theories. So, 
Yeah. That'll be fun to watch. But I suppose Just we can... watch. Turn, transition into um, next bowling. Um uh, I just sit down for five minutes with a cup of coffee or something, and um, no, it's let you it's go. Just, um, <laughs> I I don't know why he was a trade target. Um, if if and the Penguins talked a, a lot about analytics when they made the Rutherford hire and hired Carmonis, the Carolina Hurricanes owner's son, to lead the analytics department in Pittsburgh. Um, if you're talking from an advanced statistics perspective, there's nothing about Nick Spalling's game that says, get this guy. Um, his Fen close percentage the last two years has been 42.9%. That's really bad. That's It's tough to be that bad. And... Like we've always said, you can't look at one stat to be a defining kind of statistic on a yeah. player. You have to to look at other things. But when you look at these other things, which is, does he get offensive zone starts? Does he does he play with um, good teammates? And and he kind of does. So it, it it's even a little bit more damning for him. Um, to his credit, he, he had the 32 points and 13 goals last year. But um, he did that kind of with some cameos in Nashville's top six, as well as a little bit of power play time. Well, he's not going to get the power play time. We know that. And he's not going to – well, I say he's not going to get the top six time, but I, he should. And that's the other that's the other argument, though. I mean, this team is thin. Up, up, you know, we, we're loaded with a couple of superstars, and then everything sort of plug a hole. You know, try and put a an, an, an oval peg into a circle hole. Everything's just not quite right up that front end. So he may well six minutes. That's the reality of the situation. You know, you don't want Pascal to play up there playing those top six minutes, but he can. Doesn't mean he should, but he can. Maybe that's what they think. Doesn't mean they should pay him 2.2 mil before he's done it. I suppose that's what they're going to have to hope for. Well, that's the thing. Are we really putting Spalling in a top six role before Dupuis or Bennett? No. I would hope not. No. The answer is no. Um, I... Listen, the, the thing with advanced stats, they're not going to give you a 100% success rate. I understand that. But all the signs are pointing to the Penguins taking a risk on a player that is an unneeded risk. And, and that's basically my trepidation with, with trading for him in the first place. I, I truly almost believe that the Penguins should have just traded Neil straight up for Hornquist and not put Spalling in the deal to, to pay $2.2 million for, I would consider, moderate risk and at highest, moderate reward. Most likely, low, low reward. That, to me, is not good asset management. I'd almost rather have it's- the cap space. 
it's it's funny, you know, I sit there and I'll look at the numbers that he has produced and the fact that he's getting 2.2 mil. And for some unknown reason, it feels to me like the Tanner Glass contract where you get there and you go, WTF, how is he earning 1.1 million to do what he does on the ice? And that's almost how this Nick Spalling one feels for me at the moment. Hopefully, I get proven ridiculously wrong and he outstrips what I'm expecting of him and he outperforms that 2.2 mil. But that's just how it feels. It feels to me as though you're going to get there, you're going to get to about January and you're going to go, Spalling's getting paid how much? And he's giving us that? That's sort of how it feels. And, you know, we'll wait and see how, how it comes out. But to have traded for a guy going into an arbitration where he was only going to be more expensive than what he currently was when you traded for him. It just, it just feels a little weird. Yeah. And to probably clarify your point, and I know we both believe we're not putting him in a Tanner class level of player. Yes. It's just, we're talking like, Oh, he makes that and we're getting this. We're just talking value of signing. Yes, he's not Tanner Glass sometimes, and no, and not I know any that. stretch, not at all. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. That's tough to do. Thank, thank you for making the clarification. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, some people probably were like, "What the hell?" Yeah, no, not by any stretch. But <laughs> it just, uh, it none of it looks good on the surface to me, and. He could be the case that is the anomaly, but I I don't see it. I don't see him being the Neo. I can't see him being the, the anomaly in the Matrix of all this stat stuff. I can't see that being the case at all. 42.9% is terrible possession. Terrible. <laughs> listen, to the, listen to the tone of your voice. Oh, that's so funny. And and it would be understandable if he was in a shutdown role with crappy players, which, you know, Brandon Sutter comes under, um, from me, critical lens that his possession stinks. But, but you can point to Brandon Sutter of, of having uh, not quality line mates. Spalling is not in that boat. His possession sucks. And he he gets, you know, not awful zone starts, and he plays with okay players in Nashville. Just just out of curiosity, I, I've seen you do this with defenders, but you can do possession stats with a player and away from a player, so you can see whether their players, whether they're improving or, or um, making the other players' stats worse. You can do that with forwards as well, can't you? You can. Yeah, so when Spalling is away from some of these players that he was playing with, were they better or worse with or without him? Well, last year... Let's see. I'm just going to go... I, I just, I'm, okay, I, I just pulled it up right now, and I'm going to go through some of the players that he's played with at even strength last year, yeah. for the 2013-14 season. At even strength with Craig Smith, he's at 48.1%. When Craig Smith gets away from him, he's at 519 That's not the start I wanted to hear. <laughs> that's just one player, though. I mean, that's I one know, player. I know, I know. Uh, Roman y- Yossi, 
the defensemen. Uh, yep. When they're together, it's 44.6%. When Yossi gets away from him, he has 50.3%. Um, Carter Hutton, 46.9% when they're together, 484 for Mr. Hutton when he's away from Okay, three, three's a trend. I don't like where this trend is headed. And I'm going down <laughs> the line of his most common line mates, and... The first one, which is like seven or eight down, Ryan Ellis actually is the only one that sees a drop away from him. Everybody else seems to improve without him, and sometimes significantly. So, um, not good. That's not a good sign. And that, that, that was what I wanted. I just wanted to know whether if he's playing with players, yes, his numbers might be bad, but if players playing with him, their numbers are better then I can see you get to go, all right, he's a bad, yes, but everyone else around him gets better when they're with him. You go, okay, so there's obviously something there, but that's the complete reverse of what I was hoping to hear. That's the complete reverse. That's the whoever he plays with seems to be worse with him. Now, there's going to be a segment of our audience that, yes, stats, great. Do you watch the games? <laughs> yes, obviously we do, but um, there... There's somebody on Twitter who started a Penguins blog, J3200, that that did a nice article on him. He actually broke down some of Nick Spalling's game tape and kind of tried to figure out why his numbers, at least uh, the advanced metrics, were so bad. And what he found was, with the quote-unquote eye test, is Spalling does find himself in good position defensively, but does not engage aggressively. So while he may be in good position, which looks good to the eye, he's not forcing the opponents to really do anything. So they maintain possession of the puck and, and they keep driving possession towards your defensive zone. And just because you're on the defensive side of the puck doesn't mean you're doing anything. So, that's a, the one thing with that. That's coachable, though. I hope so. Yes. That that's so. For want of a better term, it's there's two ways to look at it. That's coachable, and you've just got to teach Spalling the right time to actually physically engage, or he just might not be that kind of physical player, and therefore will never engage because that's just not who he is. So it'll be interesting to see whether that aspect of his game changes. Um, you know, and it could, and he could be of... the anomaly of the advanced stats, and we'll find out. But my prediction is, it's not he's not going to end up being worth the two point two million. Um, when you start seeing guys like Lee Stempniak signing for nine hundred thousand, and you let Brian Gibbons go for seven hundred and fifty thousand. Personally, I'd rather have those two players in the fold rather than Nick Spalling. That's just my personal opinion, but I feel strongly about that. But it is what it is, and we'll see where, where, where it goes from here. It's, I'm kind of glad that 
the Penguins have signed. We should almost do like a spoiling watch every week through the year. No. For us. I don't want to do that. <laughs> to, tr- to try and compare up the because, numbers. Because at the end of the day, a, a two-year, $2.2 million player, that's not going to kill the Penguins. I just think it's so unnecessary that they put themselves in a spot to where the, that no, price you, point can fail for them. But you get there and you say it's not going to kill them, but it might kill them because it might stop them from being able to get something else because they don't have the space or they can't move him. And that's that's the thing that sort of bothers me sometimes with any of these teams that give a contract. Everyone's got an albatross of a contract where you go, he signed for how much? Because then that player's unmovable. You know, there are no more compliance buyouts. There's no more get-out-of-jail-free cards. So if you get there with the player and you've got this contract that's unmovable, you can't just shift them out and, and get the cap space back. And so trading suddenly becomes difficult because there's no room in the cap. You've got to almost go dollar for dollar in regards to what you trade away. You can't do the whole, I want to trade for this superstar. We'll pr- bring on that $7 million and just give you back a couple of draft picks. You've got no $7 million in the cap to use. So contracts like Spoilings, whilst it's only 2.2, can hurt you down the track when you're looking to make changes to your roster because you don't have the space. It's the, it's the one negative of being a, a, a play-to-the-cap top team like the Penguins are. You don't have that buffer. So if you screw up a middle-to-lower-range contract, it can screw up your whole pricing system for what you want to do later on in the year. Yes. It's, um... so, I, yeah, so I think it can, I think it can really shoot him in the foot. If this, goes, if this goes south, if he turns out to be nowhere near 2.2 worth... Then yeah, it's going to shoot him in the foot. It's not always the uppercut that knocks you out; it's some of the body blows. And yep, I think Spalling has the potentially to be one of those body blows. If I'm being completely fair, though, I, the, the Scuderi contract is going to kill them mm. way more than Spalling. But Spalling was an unnecessary add um, with the new regime. The old regime is who brought Scuderi in. I just don't know why Spalling was a targeted addition. I don't see the risk-reward there for the cost. Um, so I'll leave it at that. I don't need to beat a dead horse. What the Penguins can't do is double down and overpay like Brandon Sutter. Yeah, that's going to get that's gonna get nasty. You know, There might be a bit of a revolt in the Penguins world if that happens, I think. I... Um, for a lot of the reasons for Spalling, Sutter's possession, not very good. Um, at least he has kind of a half excuse with the quality of his teammates, but his possession for his whole career has been underwhelming. And the one thing he does have going for him is his uh, goals. The, the actual goals against while he's on the ice is, is respectable and above average, but one of the things he has going for him in that regard is his on-ice save percentage has been extremely high the last few years. That's not exactly um, been something that's been statistically proven to be a result of uh, a forward's play. It's kind of random, more on the goalie than the forward. So mm-hmm. what if that changes? Does it get even worse? Because he's no, oh, yeah. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. So 
So we've gone through two contracts. Have we spoken about Bishop at all? Nope. He, um, so what was that contract? Well, he's gonna he's gonna make two point three million next year. So that's a good deal for Tampa going forward. Mm. Um, they extended him two years, and that two years is going to be at eleven point nine million, basically five point nine five mil. Uh, where I stand on this is I'm not a I'm not a fan of high price goalie contracts at all ever except it's only two years so this is fine to me um, when you start to get into the uh, super long term range with goalies I it, sometimes it's almost cringeworthy um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that still view Jonathan Quick as an elite goalie and I, I just don't share that opinion I think he's average to above average um, he had the playoff run in 2012 that was completely mint he was awesome but his larger sample size is pretty average he his save percentage this cup run average not and at times was holding him back earlier in the playoff run this year Jonathan Quick would have had the worst save percentage of a cup winner in the last 20 years um, but he had a few good games towards the end which he should get full credit for but you get into those long term goalie contracts and you're just like ugh I don't like them. I don't. The, the, with the long term, though, you might have clubs that want to walk away from it, and they'll never be able to because other clubs will pay them out. So you're going to have to sign the long term deal to keep your goalie you want. It's just the reality of the situation. You know, there was no way that LA were going to let Quick walk because they weren't going to sign him to longer than a. You know, they said, oh, we're only going to do four years. Quick would have walked. Yeah, but you know what? Let him. Let Jonathan Bernier at the time take over. Is there yeah, really true. a difference? Really? Is there really options. a difference? Yeah. I'm not so sure there is. You just have to have the balls to do it. Average goaltending's out there on the cheap. There's only a few special guys to pay for, and Lundquist is one. Um... Who's the other one I'm trying to think? Rask is probably another one of them. But outside of that, maybe Rene. But that's bought them on the ice because you can't get on the ice now. But, but that's another part of the risk of yeah. those. But you can understand why they would feel that way to lock him up. But the everybody else is, I don't know. There's always better options. I mean, the, the the theory being to win the Stanley Cup, you just need your goal not to let in the soft one. Well, the let in soft ones, everybody does. Lundqvist had his share of crappy goals, I'm sure, in the Rangers' run. You just need you, league average goaltending should be the minimum of what you expect out of your guy. Not 
not like the Penguins and Flurry when he hit, finally hits league average this year and everybody's like, oh, wow, look at him. And yeah. It's, and it's you like... Know, but the thing is, though, you're okay right with league average if you're only paying league average prices, not when you're paying five mil. And that's where it comes down to. Well, people will say Flurry's wanna... league average at five mil, but it's it's not. There's cheaper options that can give you that output. Give the so. same numbers. That's, that's what I mean. It's You get there and go... Well, we get these numbers. We only need to pay him this much, and we'll take that extra cap space and go fill out one of those top six winger spots that we're missing. That's that management thing comes down to. It's where do you allocate your funds to what parts of your roster to fill out the hole. So it'll be interesting to see how Bishop, how they go with this Bishop contract, and we're losing those dollars to him now what it does for the redistribution of funds elsewhere. I'm okay with that, though. It's a two-year extension. You're, you know, what's... He had a, a a 9.33 even-strength save percentage last year, which was awesome. He was in the Vesna conversation. Um, mm. w- was he a finalist? I can't, I, can't, I can't remember. He very well could have been a finalist for the Vesna. Um, don't quote me on that, but he was up there <laughs> anyways. Um, so, yeah, sure, two years, six mil, whatever. What's the worst that could po- he? If he's a pig for two years, it's two years. It's not six, seven years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know. I like this this is This is how you do it if you're going to, you know, commit to a guy a little bit. Um, Ottawa just made a what I thought was a pretty, pretty decent signing with Robin Lehner. Um, he's going to be making under three million dollars for the next uh, few years on his extension, and chances are he's going to take over for Craig Anderson, who will be a UFA at the end of the season. So he's they've done that quite. Yeah, yeah Laner's going to make $2.25 million the next three years. And I was looking at some of the numbers. The last three years, Laner and Craig Anderson have the exact same even strength save percentage of 926. So what the hell? You get above average NHL goaltending for $2.25 million. You can use money to make the team in front of you better. Not that Ottawa's yeah. going to, because their ownership is batshit crazy. <laughs> but I know it's kind of a bad example, but it's not, because they have a great goalie contract. If they so chose to invest in their team, they could. Yeah. They won't, because guy's freaking nuts. But <laughs> Why does he even own a team? It just doesn't make any sense. He's, he's a special dude. <laughs> no, that that looks good. The those two goalie signings, oh, I think it'll be interesting to see whether more goalie signings run in that direction, or, or whether these guys are bucking the trend, or whether they're starting the trend in regards to how the contracts are put together and 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 tucked away in regards to the team salary cap structure. I think both those teams have done a nice job with um with those signings um like la with jonathan quick i i think if jonathan bernier is their goalie they win the stanley cup last year i i really don't think 
Quick was the driving force for them winning. If anything, he was holding him back from the stats I mentioned before. Um, yeah. Chicago, Corey Crawford. Um, now, mind you, I'm not calling these goalies bad goalies. I'm just calling them bad cap values for other options that are out there. Uh, Crawford's going to make a lot of money. Good goalie, but I don't know. I think I think a team like Chicago could play musical chairs at that position. Niemi won a cup. Crawford won a cup. Keep playing musical chairs, getting the value so that you can continue to pad your depth and, and just become an absolute powerhouse, which they are. But um, I was going to say, what, they're not already? <laughs> but moving forward, they're going to start, especially Chicago. You're, Brandon Saad's going to want to get paid. That, and that's where the crunch starts to kick in. It's trying to sort that stuff out there. That's where if you've got one contract where you're not getting value for money out of what you've put into the cap, then you're starting to go, crap, we're going to have to shift someone or shuffle someone out to keep this particular person. Goaltenders are not easy to, to shift. I mean, you're, they're, they're not easy to... I mean, you, we, we've heard trade talk... Not lately, but earlier in the offseason of Patrick Sharp being moved because they just can't afford things. To me, Patrick Sharp is way more part of the puzzle than Corey Crawford. No? No, I, I agree. I just I sit there as you're saying that, and I'm going, okay, so who do they replace Crawford with? In your theory, toss a coin, throw anyone in there, and they should be... I agree with. Well, not quite toss a coin and throw anybody <laughs> in there, but there are options to be had. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, a little blase on that. No, I, but like <laughs> guys like James Reimer, who are have shown to be league average or above. He's not making much right now. The Winnipeg Jets should be all over that. Yeah, but the Winnipeg Jets should be all over anyone. Yeah, Fleury included. No. Flurry and Pavlik are two peas in a pod. One, one's, I know, but one's I been lucky enough be to play upright. in front of a, a pretty great possession team for lots of years, and the other hasn't. But they both—they're both underwhelming, in my opinion. So. Boo to you too. Yeah. Well, results <laughs> are the results. Um, I think that's all we had planned for today, really, isn't it? I think so. I can't think of... I don't uh, think we, yeah, I can't either. Because it's, it's just so quiet. I mean, it's August, so what have we got? Six weeks until training camp starts. Is that about right? Yeah, we'll have some uh, prospect tournaments beforehand um okay which you know there'll be some exciting players that get into those games whether or not you read too much into the performances in those games is one thing but you will we'll be we'll be able to watch some some good young players in game action cool. in early september so month away that'll be all right 
it's, it'll just start getting warm over here then, which will be nice. <laughs> yeah, for our listeners, he's while well, she's in winter. Yeah, so I've gone from a warm part of the country back to a very cold part of the country, and it's, start, it's finally starting to kick in that it is cold over here. Define cold <laughs> to our listeners, who oh, much of, most of which are probably in the northeastern United States. All right, so cold for us over here. The problem is, like, this is all going to be in Celsius, not in Fahrenheit, so it makes it a bit harder for me. But um, over here, if it gets around to close to close, close to zero degrees Celsius, so we could have anywhere so in close from zero close to freezing, yeah, close but to not zero. quite. Yeah, is your coldest. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't it's see cold. snow. Yeah. No, no. There's only a couple of places in this country where we'll see snow. So we've got a couple of mountains that you have to. And that's where you can go to the snow and get cold. But yeah, this is cold, even though, as you're about to say, it's not cold. So you're telling our northeastern <laughs> listenership that you don't get snow and you're complaining about the temperature. Dude, I live, I live in shorts 24-7, right? The fact that I'm actually wearing a penguin's jacket and a long pair of pants right now tells you that it's cold. I'm just not used to it. I'm, to me. Oh, it is. Look, let, let's be honest. It's the only reason it's cold is it's a perfect blue freaking sky out there, and there's no cloud cover to keep any of the heat in. You, you know, know what you got going crisp. on right now? What we call in what? Rochester, golf weather. Summer, golf. Yeah, actually, you're right. It is a beautiful. It is a beautiful golf. Um, my little brother's gone off to a university open day to go have a look and see uni he wants to go to. So. I'll catch him, catch up with him a bit later as well. He might go for a bit of golf. He's quite good at it, the little bastard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's just one of those things where the reason why some of these podcasts have been weird, weird times and stuff because I've been moving from the west coast to the east coast. So it's all all been happening. So hopefully things will be settled for us by the time we get to the start of the season and we get into a good rhythm. Yeah, and there was nothing to talk about. Yeah, I just want something to happen. So we've got some stuff to. And we. Did. I want a suspension. I want a suspension. <laughs> if there's a suspension in the uh, summertime, that that would be some serious stuff. <laughs> I hate that. I hate waiting for suspension to happen so I can tick it off against that. Hey, speaking of golf, that, there there was a golf suspension. What happened there? Uh, poor Dustin Johnson. Uh, um, not to speculate, but, you know, he likes to have fun. Got caught. Did he tiger, tiger? No. No. He, um, he likes to have fun. That's a, that's okay. what I'll leave it Leave at. it at that. Failed, <laughs> failed the test. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yep. Whoops indeed. So... Don't know if his uh, future father-in-law will be upset with that or not. Um, I assume, perhaps. <laughs> but um, yeah, actually, got to see him last year at the PGA Championship during the practice rounds. He hits freaking bombs, straight bombs, <laughs> just remarkable. So, um, wish him the best. I mean. He's really good at his profession, so 
you know, it's up to him. He'll make a choice. Whether he wants we'll see to what that ends up being. Mm. Wants to commit to change or not. We'll see. But he was a physical freak. So Well, I suppose we're talking golf, maybe we should stop, hey? <laughs> <laughs> I could talk golf as long as we just talked hockey, but um, yes, I, I agree. So that will probably do it for this week. Hopefully the plan is going to be to have a podcast next week, but if there's no news, there's no news. So um, I guess it, it's promotion time. So, oh yeah. So, what are you? Your gunner, gunner store? Correct. Yep. All right. I'm uh, I'm Walshy sixty six. We've got a uh, hockey underscore hurts for our Twitter handle. Gunner, what? Are, where do you write besides hockey buzz? Um. Sometimes I'll have some stuff at hockeyperspectus.com. I haven't had any articles lately there. Um. Mostly I've been trying to um, finish the book work for the uh, annual Hockey Prospectus um, book that should be out mid-September, so uh, look for that, and um, that's pretty much it, other than Hockey Buzz, of course, Um, which I will say, um, much thanks to my readership at Hockey Buzz. from this year, or I'm sorry, from last year to this year, uh, readership has doubled um, from last um, July to this July. So thank you very much. Well done, dude. You're obviously writing some very good stuff. So I, I suppose that'll do it. Um, until next week. Thanks, guys. See ya.